0: Well, we certainly are thankful today for God's Word and the impact and the effect that it has on our life as we read and study God's Word. It's transforming and renewing and it's encouraging and it gives us hope. And so this morning, with all that in mind and in our thoughts, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15 as we continue looking, walking through this great letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Rome. You remember where we began with Paul proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're all sinners and lost and separated from God and in need of a Savior and how that Savior came in the person of Jesus Christ and what He did and what He gave to redeem us and set us free and pay that full payment for our sins. And Paul reminded us of all that and then he begin to move on in the book of Romans about how to live out that life. If we have this new life in Jesus Christ, and certainly there's some things that are key for us to focus on as we live that life. As he begins to close the letter to the Romans, I think he begins to remind those believers of what they need to do. Or he gives them some closing things uh, of importance about how to live their life for Jesus Christ. One of the things that we know as believers is that uh, we must be growing in our faith. If we're not growing in our faith, then we're dying in our faith. And so, just like everything that God creates, He creates to grow. And when you think about uh, the natural world, we can look at it and we can quantify things growth. We can look at plants and see them growing. And we can see them going through their maturity process to the reason that they were created, and I think that's true of believers as well, is that there are certain signs in our life that we can measure or that we can identify that gives us an assurance that we're growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I I think Paul begins to share some of those things with these believers in Rome about their need or their understanding that they are growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I want you to see some of those with me as we look at several verses in chapter 15. I want to begin at verse 14 and go maybe this morning with with all speed through the end of the chapter, uh, through verse 33, and listen to what the Word says. He says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written more boldly to you on some points... Uh, as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore I have reasoned the glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of these things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word or deed, To make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and round about Ilecrum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I have made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, to whom he has not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you. But now no longer having a place in these parts. And having a great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey. And be helped on my way there by you. If first I have... Uh, I may enjoy your company for a while, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty also is to minister to them in material things, Therefore, when I perform this and have sealed to, sealed to them their fruit, I shall come by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Now, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judah who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, that I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you for the testimony of your word today. How, Lord, it challenges our hearts, and Father, it gives us understanding of your plan for us, and of what you're doing around us in this world today. Father, I pray that you'll teach us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, first of all, uh, when we think about growing or signs of growing, that one of the things that's always evident is that in something that's growing, that there's progress that's being made. Whether you look at a a plant or an animal or whatever, you see this progression of growth in in the lives of things. And I think because of our spiritual life in Jesus Christ, that uh, there's also these same signs of progressing in our relationship uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things that Paul gives us, or several uh, that I want you to see about progression, is in verse 14. Because he begins to talk about growing in the sense of growing, first of all, in goodness. He says uh, that you are also full of goodness. You know, the idea here is that we're always engaged in doing good things. There was a young man who came to Jesus once and called him good teacher. And Jesus uh, began to confront this young man. He said, there's only one that's good, and that's God. And so when we think about the thought of goodness or the idea of growing in goodness then certainly if there's only one that's good, then we ought to be growing more like Jesus Christ. Amen? That there ought to be this progression of faith and growth uh, so that our life every day is looking more like Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul, remembering Romans chapter 8, said that we're predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of Christ. And so when that progress, or when we begin to try to measure that progress, and certainly one aspect of it is that we ought to be growing in goodness. In other words, our lives ought to be caught up, or called to, or uh, involved in, or engaged in doing good things. Now listen, not good things for good things' sake, uh, not to just do good things, to uh, you know, evoke some kind of credit on our behalf with God, but we're doing good things because they bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so one of the ways that we can understand that we're growing in our relationship is that what, what are we engaging? Is, is it things that are good? Uh, a second thing that he says in verse 14 about this progress, uh, he, he talks about not only growing in goodness, but growing in a sense in truth. He says that uh, filled with all knowledge, uh, filled with all knowledge of God or understanding of God. When Jesus prayed for the disciples and uh, in, in a sense, prayed for the church today that uh, he asked the Father to sanctify uh, these disciples and sanctify us. And and the way that that sanctification, that growing process would take place, uh, Jesus said sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. And so growing in truth or growing in the word of God is a way that we can understand that we're making that progress in our relationship with God is that we we grow uh, in the knowledge of his word. Uh, that we understand what God's saying to it and we're willing to uh, yield our, our life and uh, yield our, our, our heart and our person to uh, God through the revelation of His Word. So God's speaking to us today and are we hearing? James put it in kind of simple terms when he says, uh, be not hearers only of the Word, but be doers. And if we're not hearers and doers of the Word, then James says we're deceiving ourselves. In other words, we're not growing. Uh, And so what Paul reminded the believers of is that, listen, uh, if you're making progress, if we're making progress in our relationship, then we're certainly growing in goodness or we're engaging in good things, but we're also growing in truth, that we're growing in God's word. Now, the third thing about this progress or measuring our progress, uh, as you'll see in verse 14, is not only growing in truth and goodness, but also growing in responsibility, that every believer ought to grow in responsibility. We ought to be more responsible, right? Amen. How many of you are parents here this morning? Don't raise your hands. I know who you are. Uh, How many of you as parents really desire for your kids to grow in responsibility? That you want to be able to, to see them get to a place where that when you ask them to do something or give them some kind of instruction, that they're responsible enough that you can trust them and walk away and just absolutely know that they're going to do whatever it is that you ask them to do with absolute integrity, finishing the task, with your kind of standards and all this kind of... Yeah, right. Not going to happen for a while. (laughs) But our desire as parents is to want them to see them grow in responsibility. Now listen to what Paul says in verse 14. He says this. He says, "...able also to admonish one another." Now, the word admonish here means to warn or to have a corrective influence on someone. And when we think about that as believers in the body of Christ, that we're, in a sense, responsible in some ways as Christians. We have a responsibility to each other so that each of us can be the best Christian we can be. So there's a sense of responsibility in the body of Christ. So as we live out that responsibility as believers, then what are we doing? We're affecting the body of Christ. And when we think about the word admonish, you know, I, I always thought about the word admonish uh, before I really begin to think about it a lot, is that somebody's, somebody's getting on my case, Right? I mean, they're giving me a hard time. They're, they're, they're really pressing their thumb. They're, they're admonishing me. I'm being rebuked, right? But the idea of admonishment is many different things. It's encouragement sometimes. It, it certainly does have to do with correction or certainly do, does have to do with the idea of warning people. Uh, but yet we all in the body of Christ have that responsibility so that every one of us can benefit from the ministry of each other. Listen. All through the Bible, God calls us to be unified. He calls us to be one. He, he calls us to be of the same mind. He, he calls us to serve for the same cause and reason. He gives us gifts in the body of Christ to unify the church together. And, and he, with those gifts, certain responsibilities. And And the, the, the thing is, is that that we have to be responsible with the things that God has given us to be responsible for. Sometimes the Bible calls that stewardship. And with all stewardship, there's accountability. And so one of the things that we understand as we're growing as believers, we're going to be growing in this sense of responsibility. Hey, I've got to do something, right? We look around the church today and we see the needs in the body of Christ. and, And so what's our responsibility in those things? Let me tell you what happens a lot of times in church, and uh, I can give witness to, of it to you in, in many different ways and many different times. A lot of times that uh, believers in a certain local church will look around and they'll see things that are needed in the church, and, and uh, you know one of the things they do, they'll recommend somebody else for the job. Right? They'll say, oh, uh, maybe so-and-so could do that, or maybe someone else could do that. Or, or sometimes they'll just, they'll just run from their own responsibilities. You see, if we do that, then the whole body suffers. And the whole body doesn't experience the strength of life that it can have in Jesus Christ. Because we don't fulfill our responsibilities in the body of Christ. So, if you're being more responsible than you have been in the past, then, hey, guess what? You're making progress in your growth and relationship with Jesus Christ. So Paul talks about, first of all, a sign of growth is progress. Let me give you another sign of growth, not only that. Not only progress, but also there's the idea of passion. Passion. I think as we grow in Jesus Christ, we're more passionate. Uh, Have you ever noticed how when flowers grow and they come up in the spring and all of a sudden they get all green and leaves come on them? And before long, if you're really watching, you'll see you'll see these beautiful flowers begin to bloom. You see, for me, in in the plant world, that's passion. Is that they they want to show themselves with their greatest appeal. And when a Christian is passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we're showing the world the greatest and most appealing thing we have is our love and commitment to Jesus Christ. So as we grow in that relationship, we, we become more passionate. Now, now Paul gives some things that that really are motivational for passion. Look at verse 15. He says, Nevertheless, brethren, I've written more boldly to you on some points as reminding you because of the grace given to me by God. Listen, what, what is Paul's motivation always in ministry and everything that he did in his life? It was the grace of God. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. He says the grace of God was sufficient for him. All through his writings is the grace of God. Paul was overwhelmed by the grace of God. That, that God would act on his behalf when Paul was so undeserving and yet so needy. Let me tell you today, every one of us here today are lavished in the grace of God. I mean, God pours out His grace on us every single day. You know, the, the great old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one. Why do we need to do that? Because every blessing that we count, every blessing that we name, every one that we count one by one is an act of God's grace in our life. It's all because of Him. His grace... And so Paul was passionate about serving Jesus Christ because God had been so good to him. First part of the book of Romans, you remember, he says, Paul says, I, I, I'm a debtor. Uh, he says, I'm a debtor to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to the Jews. Why did Paul see himself as a debtor as if he owed something? Listen, Paul saw himself as a debtor in the context of the grace of God. In other words, if God was was so good to to me, then certainly I need to turn my life and and serve Him. And so that became his motivation. It's our motivation also that God is good too. As verse 16, He gives us a message of passion. What's it all about or what does it focus on? He says that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God. What's the message of passion? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ crucified. It's Jesus Christ buried. It's Jesus Christ resurrected. That's our message of passion, isn't it? That's the very thing that affects us to the deepest part of who we are that gives us life, light, hope, the message of Jesus Christ. The more we forget about that message or the more that we're not focused on that message or the less we're thankful for that message is the less passionate or more dispassionate we become. And so, we grow... And the measure that growth is passion. Well, Let me give you one more thing about passion. That's a, Paul talks a little bit about the means of passion all, all the way from verse 17 to verse 21. And he gives a testimony of what Jesus was doing in him and through him. He says in verse 17 that, 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 that I have reason to glory in Christ and the things which pertain to God. For I, was, I, I would not dare speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me. In word and deed to make the Gentiles uh, obedient. Paul saying, look, I've got to talk about this thing. I would not dare not speak about these things that Jesus Christ is doing. I-, I would give a testimony for Jesus Christ of what He's doing in me and through me. Verse 19, in many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. Paul says, I want to testify because God is doing something in my life, because God is changing me because he's using me, that he's working through me to do some pretty incredible things now listen, how about that testimony in our lives what's God doing in your life isn't that a means of passion i mean if 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 God is blessing you if God is using you if if, if God is working in you to grow you in that relationship, listen, doesn't that become a way that we're more passionate for Him? should be. So listen, passion is one of those things that kind of measures some of the growth that we have as well as progress. Let me give you another thing. Perseverance. Wow, that's a tough one, isn't it? Uh, perseverance in Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's really a measure of our growth, isn't it? If we're, if we're hanging in there, then we're growing. Right? You, gotta say, you can say amen. It's okay. We're hanging in there. We're growing. You know, sometimes I know if you're like me, I wonder, am I really hanging in there? <laughs> but we ha- w- w- perseverance is really a sign of growth. Uh, w- we have to learn how to persevere through difficult times. When we do, it's evidence of growing. It is holding on. Listen, the book of Acts fills in the details of what Paul's talking about here in the book of Romans and how how he really, what his plans were about coming to Rome and how Paul got there are two different things. I, I just want to tell you. Paul says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to swing by Rome on my way to Spain. As I swing by Rome on my way to Spain, I'm going to stop there for a little while and we're going to have this good time together and I'm going to minister to you and I'm going to be blessed by you and then I'm going to be off and on my way to Spain. Well, the reality of it is Paul never made it to Spain. And he never really just passed by Rome. Because the book of Acts, like I say, fills in those details. He said he was going to Jerusalem first, and and rightly so he did. He went to Jerusalem with an offering from the Gentile churches. And immediately when he got to, to, to Jerusalem, he was attacked by a group of Jews, rescued by some Roman soldiers, taken into custody and arrested. Sent there to Caesarea by the sea. And he was sent and appeared before Felix and Festus and Agrippa over many, many months. And then he was sent to Rome on a ship where he was shipwrecked, lost in his deep, wound up on an island, bitten by his name, on and on and on. finally, till he made it to Rome... And there he's to the soldier. It's not how Paul thought he was going to Rome. But you know, the story is that he persevered. No matter what happened, he got to where God wanted him to be. I don't know what's happening in your life today. I really don't. Some of it I do. God's taking you, though, to a place where He wants you to be. But on our part, we've got to persevere. Because that very perseverance, sticking in there, faithful to Jesus Christ, holding on to our only hope, Jesus Christ, persevering through those storms and struggles, are going to bring you to the very place where God wants you to be. James says, to maturity to a greater faith, to a greater love for Jesus Christ, to a greater ability to glorify Him. Perseverance is a measure of our growth. And then finally, I want to close with this one last thing, and that's prayer. Because prayer is often an indicator of our growth. The depth, dependency, and frequency of our prayer life often indicates the level of our growth. Listen to what Paul says in verse 30. He says, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. See, Paul doesn't see this prayer thing as anything that's insignificant. He sees it as vital. He's begging them on behalf of Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit that they would pray for Him. Now look, in, in the great apostle's mind, that's important. Let me tell you. And prayer ought to take that same place in our lives as well. As indispensable, absolutely necessary. And vitally important in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So Paul asked him, strive together. Can you see this great missionary going to all these places through all this persecution, through all these struggles, persevering, how? By the help of prayers of the saints. Now, how much more do we need that today? Not only praying ourselves for others and praying for ourselves for our self things, but also knowing that others are praying for us as well. Now, listen. What did Paul ask him to pray for? It's important, isn't it? If if it's vital to what I'm doing and to my life of growth, then what what do I want to ask for? Well, if you look at verse thirty-one, he began to ask him to pray for pray, pray that he would be protected, to be protected. Uh, look, we, we, we need protection today. I say, Brother Mike, we live in America. we got a great army. I want to tell you what, we, we don't always understand the full force of the enemy that's coming against us in the realm of the spiritual world that we need to fortify our lives and other people's lives with prayer. Prayer. When Paul enumerated the armor of God, he said, put it on with prayer. We need prayer. For protection, for our families. Our families need prayer protection. Our lives need prayer protection. We need to be praying for each other. He says that you might strive together with me in your prayers. He goes on to verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judah who do not believe. Paul says, listen, I'm going to a hostile environment in Jerusalem. Because even though there is a church in Jerusalem, even though there are some believers in Jerusalem, the majority of the people there are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, there are persecutors of the church. Who would know that better than Paul? Because he was one of those persecutors. And he was one of those who came against the church. And so Paul says, I'm going in this hostile environment. You know what? I need your prayers. I need your prayers. Listen, I'm praying for you today because Monday morning you're going to step out into a hostile world. And you're going to need prayers. We need to be praying. It's our prayers of protection. So Paul says, "Listen, I, I want you to pray that for me to be protected." Now, let me give you another thing that he asked him to be prayer. <laughs> Not only to be protected, but but pray that uh, to be pleasing to God, pleasing in my life. He says, uh, verse uh, uh, verse thirty one. Uh, he says that and that my service for. Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. In other words, pleasing to the saints. So Paul says, I'm going to go in this hostile environment, but you know what I want you to do? I want you to pray that, that my life will be pleasing. And why would Paul ask that? Because we have a tendency when we go into a hostile environment to, for, for several things to happen. One, of us, one thing is that we have this tendency to shut down. I mean, we go in this hostile environment. What do we do? We hunker up, right? We, we, we huddle up and we, we, uh, we kind of get self-absorbed. It's easy to go out in the world and not want to say anything. Not want to give any testimony for Jesus Christ. Not want to be any kind of witness for Him. Why? Because it's hard. It, it's, it's, it's being resisted in the world that we live in today. And so Paul says, I don't want to do that. I want to be pleasing. I, I, I believe, really, he wanted to live bold. He wanted to do what Jesus wanted him to do. And so I want my life to be pleasing, to be acceptable, my service to those in Jerusalem. So Paul says, I'm going in this difficult environment, pray for my protection. But I'm going in this difficult environment and, and pray for me to be pleasing. In other words, to do, to do God's will every day. Every day that we go out in the work environment, school, wherever it is, we're going out into a hostile world, but yet we still want to be pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. How's that going to be accomplished? Well, through prayer. Uh, another thing that you ask Him, not only to hey, pray that I'll be protected and pleasing, but also pray that I'll prosper. I'll prosper. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God, and may be refreshed together with you. Paul says, listen, pray that I'm going to come with joy, right? That, that I, I'm, going to, I'm going to have prospered in my service to the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can spend time together and enjoy each other's fellowship. Now, that's prosperity, isn't it? Well, I want to tell you what, when, when believers come together in the joy of Jesus Christ and we fellowship together, that's prosperity. I'll tell you why. Because it's what's happening in heaven. And whatever's happening in heaven, if it happens here on earth, is prosperity. And when we come together with the joy of Christ, fellowshipping together, then that's prosperous. Prospers our soul, our testimony, our life. And so Paul says, listen, pray that I be prosperous. And then finally, the last thing, I believe, is didn't much so say it, but I think it's inferred, is pray to have peace. He ends it in verse 32, 33. He says, for the God of peace be with you all. There it is, isn't it? Amen. That's what we say when we finish our prayer in it, amen. Therefore, the God of peace be with you all. Amen. How do we have peace? When we live in the awareness that the God of peace is with us that he's always with us that there'll never be a time in our lives when we'll go anywhere as a child of God without the presence of God with us. When Jesus said I'm sending you another one like me he said I'm sending the Holy Spirit and he will be with you and in you and he'll be with you and in you forever. Forever. Listen, that's peace. Sometimes we don't always experience that peace because we forget about the presence of God with us. But Paul says, hey, pray that I'll have peace. You know, I want to ask you something. I know many of you pray for me as your pastor. You'll never know how eternally grateful I am for that. Because there are so many times when I uh, find myself in opportunities where I desperately need your prayer. And I appreciate that. But if you pray for me, how about using these things and these thoughts? How about praying for my protection? I'll be pleasing to God and those around me that I'll be prosperous in my work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I always know that God of peace is with me. If you'll do that, I'll pray that for you as well. And then you know what will happen? We'll be striving together through prayer as we begin to do that and our prayer life begins to, begins to grow we'll understand that we're growing also Paul gave us some signs of growth signs that we can get an indication if our life's going in the right direction are we making that progress are we passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ are we persevering how's our prayer life how are those things. Wow. No peace, right? <laughs> you guys got you better start praying now. <laughs> now we've been let's pray.